0: Well, good morning. I'm glad that summer has finally arrived. Woohoo! I love summer. And with summer's arrival, we're going to be getting a summer series uh, for the next few weeks. Um, just launching that today. And, it, and, it, and this series comes out of, I'll say, kind of a personal journey of my own. Some time of, of reflection. Uh, over the past few months, I've been thinking about certain things and just kind of trying to, to wrap my head around a few things as I walk through life. And, and um, so, through different study and different thoughts and exploring these different things, uh, this message has has come out of that. Life has a way of 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 just throwing a lot of things at us. It's just the nature of it. It's it's um, it doesn't matter who you are, what your belief system is, your age, your political persuasion. Life happens. Like life is something that that is can be complicated at times, can be just so rewarding at times, but it, it's, in some ways, it's anything but predictable. Um, Matthew five forty five says, so God causes the rain to fall on the good and the righteous and the, and the unrighteous, the, that he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. It's like, it, it's like there's a sense that, that whether, no, no matter where we are, Sometimes there's some rain, sometimes there's sun, recognizing that both of those things are a blessing at the right time. It sounds a little fatalistic. But but really God hasn't promised us a life of ease. And 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 life life happens. But that's not that's not my point of where I wanna go. as I thought about my life in ministry, as I reflected on where I am personally, in my walk with God, my, my family, those things that, that I feel are, are high priorities, things that really matter. I, I began to, to think about, and, and, and please don't everybody get up and leave when I say this, your pastor is thinking about this, all right? So I'm just being honest, confessions of your colonel pastor here this morning, all right? Not always getting it right, but a real question, a real question. I began to think What advantage does a Christian have over an unbeliever? I mean, life happens to all of us, right? I'm I'm not the only one. Christians get sick. Christians lose their parents. You know, Christians have bills to pay. Christians get old. Christians stub their toe like everybody else. I mean, it happens, right? Like, life has a way of, of being real for all of us. What makes being a Christian really compelling? I mean this, uh, I mean, obviously there is eternal life with Jesus, right? There's, there's, there's heaven awaiting us. Like that, that's obvious. Like I hope we all recognize that that's kind of a given and I'm not taking away from that in this message. It's like we have the hope of glory, which is eternity. Okay. That's there, right? But what about now? What about today? What about tomorrow when life happens? What about when the nitty gritty of daily life comes upon us? Is, is how, how is it that, that, I'm not the only one, right? Because if I'm the only one that has these questions, this message was just for me and, and I should just go read it myself again. But, but I'm thinking that God says, no, share it. There's people out there that have questions and they're real questions. They're compelling questions. And, and God's not afraid of our questions. The Psalms are full of, of people asking real questions and coming to the conclusion that God is still God. I mean, I have unsaved flam- family members I've got neighbors that that don't know Jesus. And when they look at my life, when they look at me, when they look at who I am, what sets me apart? Is it just that I can repair their car if it needs it? Is it just because I know how to fix their garage door? Is it, you know what I mean? Is it just because I can build a set of steps? Is it just that or is there something more? What do I have that they don't? Is my faith more than just coming to church on a Sunday morning and following the rules? Which I do most of the time. <clears throat> and my wife laughs, like, no you don't. <laughs> when I thought about that from my own perspective, right? Because, I mean, I ask those questions too. So when I thought about it from my own perspective, what, what, what's the thing, what draws me to other people? What is it about... Those 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 people those believers that I know that it's like man, and I'm just drawn to it. What is what is that thing? And what I've found when I thought about that as I explored it, more than anything else, it's joy. They enjoy life. There's something about life. Like they, they just sink their teeth into it, right? They, it's like, and it's not that everything's perfect, but they enjoy life. They're joyful. They're full of it. And I don't mean happy, clappy one minute and, and ready to kill somebody the next. I mean like this, this sense of, of, of joy, of deep, uh, profound something extra. It doesn't need to be advertised, it just radiates. I want that. I don't know about you, but I want that. And I believe I desperately need that. I want to be the kind of person, I want, to be the, I want that to be my testimony, that when, when people are around me, that, that they're drawn to something, not to, to myself, but to God, and through the joy of God, that there's something compelling about that. I think most people would say the same thing. It's what we want a life, something deep, something lasting. We all want to enjoy life. That doesn't happen by accident. That isn't based on our circumstances. I'm starting to get him ahead of myself a little bit. So let me let me get back to, to this. Many would be familiar with the phrase, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Like we've kind of, most people have probably heard that. It's a well-known part of the U.S. Declaration of Independence. It's the phrase, that gives three examples of the unalienable rights, which the declaration says have been given to all humans by their creator and which governments are created to protect. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. When I was was younger, I think it was my older brother used to say, life, liberty, and the happiness of pursuit. But anyway, that's, um, that's different. He was still single then. It sounds good. It sounds great. And and it is a noble pursuit. Like I'm not saying that. Life life is good. And we would all agree to that. Liberty is good. We we all want our freedom. We we want somebody to defend our freedom. But I want to suggest that when we really get down to the nitty-gritty, when we get down to the basics, when we get down to the roots, there's a there's a potential sometimes that we're pursuing the wrong things. Or at the very least. We're setting the wrong priorities as we seek those things. There's something greater than the pursuit of happiness. There's something greater than the pursuit of happiness. There's something higher. There's something more noble, more valuable, something that is out of this world. There is joy. Let's just take a moment and pray at that point. God, I thank you for your joy. I thank you, God, that there's something more than happiness. God, as I, as I bring the word, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that, that your word will come alive in our hearts. Lord, that you will fill us with your Holy Spirit. You'll fill us with your joy. You'll fill us with your peace, God, that we would know you in a way that transforms us from the inside out. Lord, for anyone here this morning that that may be struggling, that may be be even even frustrated that I would be talking about something like this, that, that Lord, even in the midst of this, that this would be a divine appointment for them, that the words that I share would be something that would bring life, that would bring hope, that would bring purpose, that would bring joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus is teaching his followers And and he says these words in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's trying to teach them about something out of this world. And so as as an analogy, he he tells this parable, if you will. It's Matthew 13, verses 44 down to 46. And it says, the kingdom of heaven, which is God's kingdom and everything that goes with it, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden, hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hit it again and then in his joy he went out and sold all that he had and bought that field. Okay, so in his joy he went out and he sold all he had to buy that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, something very special, he went away and sold everything that he had and bought it. In his joy... This, this person that finds it, the joy of finding a treasure, the joy of finding something that is so valuable, something that is, that is special, set apart, something that is unique, something that is, that is so deep and so real that it calls for someone's attention, something valued. In this case, it's the kingdom of heaven. It's like we're talking about, you know, what is to come. Like, that, like I said before, it's like we've got that to look forward to. There is, there is a life to come, and that life with Christ is in the kingdom of heaven. And being God, part of God's kingdom, being part of God's values, God's family, God's economy. I mean, the person that finds that is willing to trade all that one has, even the good things, for what is best. And finds true joy in the process. It's a treasure. It's worth selling everything you have to grab it, to have it, to gain it. So, so you might wonder, okay, the, the message is, you know, the pursuit of happiness crossed out with, with joy, right? The pursuit of joy. Well, well, well why, would, why would we go that way when I'm talking about joy? Like, what's, what's the purpose of that? Why, why the question of pursuing joy over happiness, See, joy is something that's far greater than happiness. Joy is something that's, that's of higher value than happiness. And when it really comes down to this, it's what, this is where I'm going today. What you pursue will determine where you end up. You with me? The pursuit of joy versus the pursuit of happiness. What you pursue will actually determine where you end up. Like you, you, you can't expect to end up somewhere different by pursuing one or this. You can't expect to live, to arrive in the same place if you're pursuing things that are in the opposite directions. So the idea of pursuing happiness versus pursuing joy, what you pursue will determine where you end up. And I know that sounds simple, (laughs) right? It's like, well, duh, right? That's very simple. But I'm amazed at how many times I have encountered people that get into places that they did not intend to end up because they pursued the wrong thing. See, happiness is a rabbit trail. And maybe that maybe you're not familiar with that. Like what's what's a rabbit trail? What I, I haven't Well, let me explain. I grew up on a farm, a beautiful farm surrounded by forest. And, and I loved spending time in the forest. And one of the times I loved to spend in the woods was just after a fresh snowfall. And just after a fresh snowfall, it, it's very cool because you see how much activity is actually in the woods at that point. Because when you're there, you could see the tracks of all the animals that have been there. Now, the most prolific are rabbits and squirrels, right? Those, there's tracks for rabbits and squirrels everywhere. And they are also the most random. <laughs> rabbits and squirrels never go in a straight line anywhere. And they never stay on the beaten path for good reasons. They don't want to get picked off. But like, so you've got these, you see these tracks around through the woods. And, and and if you choose to, for some reason, try to actually follow those trails, you will end up doing a lot of walking and not really get anywhere. Because they're just, they just seem so all over the place. They'll do loops and twists and turns and it's like up and down. And it's like, Where are you going? Okay, that's a rabbit trail. Now, part two of the illustration, me taking the time to talk about my childhood, the farm, the tracks, and that's also a bit of a rabbit trail. And my wife sits on the front row and she gives me the look. That's the one. And she helps me from not going too far off on these rabbit trails because sometimes the things I say that aren't in my notes are the most profound. Sometimes they just don't need to be said. So, rabbit trails. Kind of a tangent. Off track. Right? You follow me? What you pursue will determine where you end up. And it can be subtle. Pursuing success rather than significance. Think about that for a moment. If you pursue success, you very well may achieve it. But we've all heard of and known and bumped into people or heard stories of people that are at the very top of their field. They are the elite. They have succeeded. They've got the bucks. They've got the, you know, they've got everything that goes with it. And they're some of the most empty, unfulfilled, desperate people that we know. Success versus actually significance or fulfillment. It's subtle, but it's like you follow one, you know, it's like you end up in different places. It's interesting. There's a, in Genesis chapter 11, this, this verse kind of jumped out at me that Genesis chapter 11, verse four, and it's talking about humankind at the time before the, the flood. And it's, it's talking about the building of the tower of Babel in And it says this, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Let's make a name for ourselves. Let's be successful. Let's rule the world. And it says at this point, God chooses to confuse their languages and scatter them around the world because they're becoming more and more powerful and less and less godly. The pursuit of success. Or what about pursuing comfort, instant gratification, doing what's easy rather than doing what's right? Oops. Okay, yeah, I think we've all kind of recognized at times where we do the easy thing instead of the right thing. Second Timothy yes, yeah, second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty two. So two, 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 two. Second Timothy chapter two verse twenty two. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call the Lord call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Flee evil desires, pursue righteousness. What we pursue will, depend, depend on, er, will determine where we end up. I mean, consuming enough alcohol can make you feel happy for a moment. But we all know that eventually there's a price to pay for that and it just doesn't last. So we can pursue happiness and we may find it, but it's momentary. There's something better. A few years ago, I did a, a book study. I did a study with with a, a group of people from the church I was at at the time, and it was uh, it was on a book called *The Pursuit of God* by A. W. Tozer. It's a good book. The language is a little dated, but I mean the content's great. And uh, but what what caught my attention with this is is Tozer writes with with this sense, like as you're reading it, you feel like he's a man that has stumbled upon something that most people. Overlook and don't don't really haven't taken the time to try to find it's like he, he writes like somebody that's that's like man people I wish people knew this it's like I don't understand why people don't get it and so that's what caught my attention and he his premise is this basically in the book we can believe that there is a God out there and, and there is a God out there and and that um, he fills the universe but it's as if we're invited into something closer and more intimate, something that's, that really is on a deeper level, that we're invited into an encounter with God that transforms everything about us, that transforms us in, in, in a different way. But uh, the point is, but in order to be able to do that, to be able to, to experience the presence of God on a different level, we have to be willing to shift our focus. We have to be willing to shift from the pursuit of self, the pursuit of ease, the pursuit of instant gratification, and be willing to press in to pursue him, to put all else as secondary, to love God with all our hearts. And the key in putting God first, we actually experience and see things come into alignment and other things fulfilled as we put God first. But there's a shift. There's a a different pursuit there's the pursuit of God and in it we even find joy there was a missionary named Jim Elliot and he's got this great quote and this is not the only time I will use it and he says he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose he was a great missionary he actually gave up his life in missions but he is no fool even though people might think you're a fool He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And that's profound yet very tough. That's a hugely tough concept when we are in the pursuit of happiness. That defies the pursuit of happiness. To give up, right, to give up things for the sake of something greater. That defies happiness. King David knew what it was to find joy in God when things were tough. He was being pursued by the present king, King Saul. He was hiding in in caves and and running from from the king. And and, and in Psalm chapter 16, verse 9. Psalm 16, 9 to 11. I mean, David makes this declaration as he writes some of these songs. And he says, No wonder my heart is filled with joy. And my mouth shouts his praises. My body rests in safety, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your godly one to brought in the grave. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and then the pleasure of living with you forever. Isn't that amazing? David, even living in a cave when he was anointed king, the presence of God was something to him so precious that he talks about the joy of the presence of God. And it's easy to talk about the joy of the presence of God when we're, we're in church and we're among believers and, and it's like we're, we're worshiping God. You've got a great worship team, you know, like all those things. And it's like we rejoice in the presence of God. Yes, we do. But David found a way that he found joy in the presence of God that, that transcended his location. The pursuit of happiness is the pursuit of something fleeting and ultimately unsatisfying. But joy ha! joy. Joy is something unshakable, unbreakable, something deep and enduring. Joy is something you can grab onto and drive a stake in the ground and say, my joy is in him. We cling to the temporal, the finite, that which will pass in an effort to be happy, to find security. But God calls us to shift our focus heavenward to the eternal, something that cannot be taken, something that will last Jesus again, he's teaching his followers and he's trying to help them to, to make the shift from, from today to eternity and, and realize a lot of people he was teaching were Jews. And for the, for the nation of Israel, they had promises of land, they had promises of riches, they had promises of tangible things. and, and, and Jesus was trying to, to help them to see, no, there's more. And Jesus, when he teaches them, he says, in Matthew six nineteen, he says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And anybody who owns a vehicle knows exactly what that is, especially here in our Nova Scotia climate. <laughs> but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus in teaching them and he tried to teach the disciples so many things about the second coming and everything he says and I've told you these things that that you may have joy and in me your joy may be complete he says there's more he says I don't he, you know what I mean it's like Facebook internet social media will say you know we'll teach you how to be happy right because what you get on social media is the best moments the highlight reel of everybody's life you don't get everything else right I want to be happy well, I don't want to be unhappy, but I want to be joyful. In this life, we live in the tension of the now and not yet. We, we live in the tension of, of God is with us now, but we don't see the fullness of it yet. We live in the, in the tension, the, the mixture of life and death. We, we live in the mixture of joy and sorrow. We, we, we live in the mixture of, of lack and, and plenty. It's, 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 it's just the nature of it. It's what we live in. And again, not to be fatalistic. But I want to live in that place where there's joy in my life. I want to live in that place where those that are closest to me see it the most. That those who live with me, that know me, that they know that there's something there. I want to have a joy that draws others to me. I want faith to be a place where joy is, is found. That, that folks here, when they gather, there's a sense of the joy of the Lord. And when people come into it, there's something profound. There's something deep. There's something rich in the presence of God. There's joy unspeakable, full of glory. I want to encourage you that that is possible. It's not some sort of a wish that is impossible. It, it is possible. It's not easy, but it's possible. It's possible. And over the next couple weeks, few weeks, I'm going to unpack that. I'm going to talk about joy stealers. I'm going to talk about things that give us joy. I'm going to talk about some different aspects of joy that will empower us and release those things in, my, in our lives, my life and yours, as we explore the pursuit of joy. I'm going to ask the team to, to make their way back. What you pursue will determine where you end up. Maybe you're here this morning and you recognize that you've settled for the pursuit of happiness and you realize that what you really want is something deeper, something lasting, something profound. You want joy. As I said, I want to encourage you, that is possible. And in a minute, we're going to pray. We're going to pray that the joy of the Lord be released in you and over you. There is a joy that transcends circumstances and is found in Christ. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you never accepted him as your Savior, can I encourage you today that you can begin a relationship with God through Christ that will change you from the inside out? They will give you an ability to face things. It's not necessarily going to make your circumstances go away. God does the miraculous. But there's something profound. There's something deep. There's something inside that changes one's perspective. God loves you and wants his best for you. God God did what we could not do for ourselves through Christ to set us free that we might have life and joy In order to experience that, what we do is we humble ourselves. We admit that we've fallen short. We confess our sin to God and repent. And when we do that, God will forgive you. He has promised in his word that he will forgive you and cleanse you. Call you his son. Call you his daughter. Call you his own. And you will find joy that you never knew possible. And it's found in him. I want to pray for you before we're, we're going to go into communion in just a minute. But before we do that, we're going to pray. And if you're here this morning and, and you've, uh, you've recognized that happiness has been your ultimate goal. And that even through this message, you've gone, mm, you know what? That's not working out. I mean, it's there for a day, but it's gone tomorrow. And it's, just, it's, it's, not, it's not what I thought it would be. If that's you this morning, I would love to pray for you and we're going to pray for just a moment that, that joy would become your experience, that joy would become your portion, that you would, you would have the joy of the Lord. And if you're here this morning and maybe you're that person that you recognize, okay, you're making sense. It's kind of unbelievable, but I get it. Yeah, I've tried my own way, but I need Jesus. If that's you this morning, there's a there's an opportunity here for you to say, you know what, today's the day. Today's the day I recognize my need for Jesus, my need for God, and I'm, I'm going to respond to that, and I'm going to, to pray a prayer, and I'll lead you in that prayer. And we can do that together. And if you do choose to do that, it would be awesome if you would stop by Faith Next, and there's a card there, a decision card that we'll get you to fill out, and we'll follow up with you in an effort to... to We will help you as much as you let us. We will not pester you. We will not chase you down. We will not. Anyway. But if you could do that. So. We're just going to pray. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. And I thank you for the joy that you bring to us, God. That it transcends who we are. That it transcends our circumstances. And God, those of us here this morning that has been in the pursuit of happiness and recognize that it's fleeting recognizing that it's empty recognizing that it leaves us wanting God I just pray that joy would be those people that are be our portion God that joy would be our experience that joy would be found as we pursue joy rather than happiness God help us to lay down that which is temporal to grab onto with both hands that which is eternal that we would live a different way because of our experience with you and because of the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. God, those that are really struggling, those that are really facing some challenges, Lord, I just pray especially for them, Lord, a special touch or special sense of the joy of the Lord that would spark hope, that would bring strength, that would allow them to walk through, maybe even crawl through, Lord, the circumstances they're in the midst of because, God, you are faithful and you walk with us. And God, for those here this morning that may not know You, that desire a relationship with You today, God, I just pray that You would meet them where You are. And could we just all repeat this prayer together? If you're, if you're saying, like, Jesus, I want to accept You, especially You can pray that, but let's, let's pray it together. Just repeat after me. Um, you know, all of us, just as a way to show of support. Dear Jesus, Today, I see my need of you. I confess that I've fallen short. I need you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Make me a new creation. I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. Help me to follow you every day of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. It's very exciting because we're about to go into communion. I love communion. We're asking our communion team to come forward. And it's like it's no effort to go from a series on joy and thinking about the joy of the Lord and going into communion. I mean, it talks about it to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. The joy, the joy. You know, I believe the joy of the Lord that, that Jesus was seeing was you. It was me. It was those at that point that had not yet accepted him, but he could look down through eternity and he could see us. And it says that there's more rejoicing in heaven when somebody like your pastor gets saved than with a hundred righteous people that don't need to be saved. Come to know him. Oh man, I believe there's a party in heaven right now for those that have accepted Jesus. I love it. For the joy set before him. Jesus died for us so that we could live for him. And the team's distributing the the emblems right now. If you're with us this morning, you are welcome to take part in this. Take the the bread and the juice and enjoy it with us. Because Jesus died so that we can live for him. And I believe that the the scripture says that as we celebrate communion, we're remembering something that brings joy in heaven, even though there was sorrow in the moment. Again, that clash of, of what happens in the moment, but the eternal fruit of that that is without description. So we ask that you each wait until everyone has the emblems and we'll we'll take that together because we celebrate communion with the joy that comes from knowing we're changed. The joy that knows that it brings freedom The joy that the cross was not the end. The joy that we can be complete in him.